six weeks in here, counting today. And the seventh week will be Easter. And I begin to, to think about that. And, and the, the joke is, is that Easter is a time that, that all the CEOs show up. The Christmas and Easter only people. But th- there are people that will come to church on Easter just because it's what they feel like they're supposed to do. But the reality is, is, is that when God gets them here, he can do something in their life. And so as we begin to, to, to look at and understand that God has called us to make a difference in the lives of people. God wants us to become, to, to transform ourselves from a believer to a disciple. And later during this year, we're going to have an entire series on moving from a believer to a disciple. But there's a perfect example found in Luke chapter 5. Jesus finishes teaching a crowd of people. And he gets into Simon Peter's boat and he tells him to row out deeper. Now, Peter was a little reluctant but he tells him to roll out, to, to row out deeper and to let his nets down. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 5 that he was tired. They had fished all night. But reluctantly, Peter did what Jesus had said. And when they rowed out a little bit deeper and they let their nets down, the Bible tells us that they caught so many fish that it filled up two boats and the boats began to sink. Peter was astonished. At that moment, Peter said, I don't even feel worthy to be in your presence. And Jesus said, from now on, you're going to move from catching fish to being fishers of men. Jesus said, follow me and let's go fish. Now, I don't enjoy fishing. Actually, I, I've said several times that, that I've, I've never been fishing in my life. But every time I say that, my mother reminds me that at some point in my life, I think she was dreaming, that I have been fishing. But it lets you know that it, it didn't register in my brain it wasn't something that I enjoyed so much and people will say man I go out to fish to relax and I'm thinking no way how many people like to fish good grief (laughs) when I talk about And that's why it is so important that we learn how to share our faith. It's important because eternity is forever. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. Now there's some teachings around where people are trying to say that that, that, that isn't true. There's no...
party. It's eternal banishment and it's separation from God. And God doesn't want anyone to get to that point. He wants people to be rescued or saved from it. That's why he sent his son. But he's looking to us to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. In our family. In our workplace. In our community. Christ wants us to be his hands and his feet. And that's why that he sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. So that we could know when to share our faith and how to share our faith. And to share it with passion. It isn't easy, but it's crucial. It isn't easy, but it's necessary. Sharing our faith is known as evangelism. And there's three kinds of evangelism. Proclamation. Confrontational. And relational. Proclamation would be what I'm doing right now. The book of Acts. Confrontational is looking at someone and saying, hey, are you going to heaven or hell? Going door-to-door witnessing. How many people like that? All right, we've got one. Scott hit the road. Not leave, but go witness. I'm not knocking that, but it isn't me. I am not confrontational at all. Some of the guys that are working on the building will tell you that I'm not confrontational at all because when you have contractors and, and they're not meeting their deadlines, they said, you're just going to have to get mean. I said, it's not in me. So I called my wife. <clears throat> that wasn't in the notes. Uh, you'll learn that uh, uh, I had about three hours of sleep Friday into Saturday and about three more from Saturday to Sunday. And uh, when I've not had sleep, I'm emotional and, and stupid. So, um, but relational is who I am. And I believe that, that relational evangelism is what Jesus used. He knew how to get into their life, into people's lives. He knew how to get into people's worlds. He was real with people. And this morning I want to talk to you for a few minutes about real evangelism. Four truths about evangelism that we're going to talk about this morning. The first is, is that evangelism can be painful. It isn't as easy as it looks. It isn't as easy to share your faith by the way that you walk. It takes a a spirit of of long-suffering. How many people here would admit that before you came to Christ, you said no to Him multiple times? For many people, it it seems to be a a situation where we're a little hard-headed. Don't look at your spouse. I don't have time for marriage counseling right now. 
But we said no to, to Jesus many different times. And, and we heard the message more than once. But we kept saying no. But Jesus didn't give up on us. And we can't give up on people. It's so often to get discouraged when people continually just turn the message away. And we'll say, why don't they understand? Why can't they see? I'll see people going through things. And it just seems like that they just keep going down this path. And I'm thinking, what is their deal? And then we get to a point, it's like, you know what, I'm just done. I've been there with people. You sit in front of people and you, 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 you counsel them. And you say, you know, this is what I feel like that you need to do. And they agree with you. And then they get up. And before they get out of the parking lot, they're doing exactly the opposite. It can become frustrating. It can be painful. But we can't give up on them. The reality is, is that everything is in God's timing. And there's some people who just aren't ready. And it can be frustrating. But we have to be long-suffering. What is long-suffering? It's not quitting when you aren't getting the response that you want. Being long-suffering is saying, I know that, that this outcome or what I'm going through or, or the way that they're reacting to me is not what I want, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. In any relationship, if you don't get the response that you want, it is so easy just to quit. That's true in all aspects, in all walks of life, no matter what it is. You make a decision, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start eating right. And you go for like three hours and you haven't lost any weight. You go to the gym one time and you don't come out buff. Forget it. Discouraged. Give me a Twinkie. But we have to realize there are people who have hurts, real hurts in their heart. There are people that are going through things that they may not get it as quickly as we would like for them to. There are people that I have come in contact with that it has been years and years. But you just keep building that relationship. You keep reaching out to them. You keep talking to them. You keep being a friend. There are people here today, you're sitting here today because someone did not give up on you. And as we move into the Easter season, these next six weeks, that was, that's what we're going to talk about. It's becoming and building relationships with people because we know that we have something that they need, something that will change their life forever, but we just can't give up. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. For many of us, that patient part is very difficult. Just as we was talking, were talking about before, it's hard to be patient sometimes when people won't listen. Not everybody's going to jump on board immediately. 
Not everybody's going to respond the way that we want them to. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 says this, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You know who this was? This was Paul. And Paul said, I was the chief sinner. But God had mercy and showed me his great patience so that others could see that as well. Paul says, look at my life. I was a tough one to catch. But God had mercy on me. God showed me his patience. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we have to do the same. Secondly, intentional. Jesus was intentional in everything that he did. Everything that Jesus did was with a purpose. It was for a reason. Luke chapter 5 verse 3 says, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Here we see that Jesus entered into someone's boat. Here they are, and he gets into their boat. Do you think it it was just by accident? Of course not. He was intentional about everything that he did. He didn't wait for them to, to come to him, to approach him. He went and stepped into their world. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter by trade, but he knew about farming, about tax collecting, about making wine. He knew about how to build bridges with people. He knew how to get into their world. The Bible tells us in in the book of Acts about the day of Pentecost and how that there were 120 in the upper room. And it says that the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues. Now there were thousands in the city. There were thousands in the crowd. But notice what happened here. He took these people and he made them speak in to the language so that the people, the thousands, the crowds could understand. They got into their world. They were able to to explain to them the power of Christ. God didn't make the people in the crowd speak the language of the people in the upper room. He did exactly the opposite. And we go before him. We need to pray. God, make me intentional about everything that I do. May I change my life to think about you first. May I begin to, to build bridges to make a difference in the life of people. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, even though I am free, a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. 
when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find the common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. These verses basically say, I get into people's world. I build bridges. We are guilty in the church world of having our own language. If I had a, a dollar for every time that as I was growing up, somebody would walk up and say, Brother, are you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? It's a little scary as a four-year-old. <laughs> Didn't sleep for weeks. I hope not. <laughs> Ghost? But the Bible here in 1 Corinthians said, I learned to speak their language. I learned to build bridges and to get into their boat, to get into their world. Everyone has a language. You just have to learn to speak it. As we get closer to spring, you'll see Harley Davidson owners. They've got their own language. I don't know what it is. What are we at? Are we supposed to wave? What is it? We got You ride, right? What's your language? What are you supposed to do when you see people? Are you supposed to wave? Jeep owners, they have their own language. We all have our own language. Everyone has a, a language. We just have to learn to speak it. We have to start becoming intentional about our relationships. We need to, to start to take interest in other people and to, in their interest. We live in a society where husbands and wives don't even take the same interest. Wives come home and get on Facebook, and, and men come home and watch Sports Center, and they live a boring life with no common bond, with no interests. Now I get out of the doghouse. My wife is very good at this. When she uh, first, when we first met, I'm not sure she knew what baseball or football was. But over the course of the last 20, almost 25 years of marriage. I know those of you who don't know, you're looking, they must have got married when they were five. <clears throat> Before we bought this building, I would say okay, but now you're probably saying they got married when they were 25. But over the last 25 years of marriage, we have a common interest. Unless she's really good at faking it. She'll sit out in the cold, 10-degree weather, colder, to watch football. She'll sit down and watch a baseball game on TV. How many people like watching baseball on TV? If any, if it, how many people think it's boring? Okay, there's a church right down here, <laughs> a church down here. 
We'll clear them out real quick. Most people will say, there's too many games. And I say, there's not enough. But she's found a common. Now, I will say that she's good at it. I'm not. We went to some ice skating thing one time when I was still trying to impress her. I'm not sure we've been back. You can only watch men being, women being thrown into the air. You know, it all looks the same to me. But we have a common interest. We have something, a common bond. And in people in our lives, we have to understand and realize that we need to develop those interests with them. Being intentional about the way that we live and the way that we interact with people. Thirdly, we need to be influential. Get into the world and get a response. Luke chapter 5 verse 4 says this. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, why was it that after being up fishing all night, not catching anything, that Peter was willing to listen to what Jesus told him to do? If you read the rest of it, he said, God, I'm not sure this is going to work, but I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Why was that? Because he had some relational equity with Peter. Jesus had spoken to his life. And that was the reason and how that he could get him to do something that made no sense. Too many times we try to speak into the lives of people without ever earning that right. We try to speak into their lives when we have no right and we have no relational equity. After everything that Peter had been through, why did they do it? Because they knew and they understood that Jesus cared for them. Many times in life, there are going to be situations that people will listen to you only after you have showed them that you care. And that is how you gain influence. Nothing happens by accident. You are strategically placed for influence. There's many of you here that that if I asked the question, how many people hate your job, 95% of you would probably raise your hand. How many people would like to have a different job, 95% of you would probably raise your hand. But nothing happens by accident. You're not where you are by accident. Where you are, you are called to be an ambassador for Jesus. You have an opportunity to share your story. In John chapter 9, when Jesus healed the blind man, they went through this whole thing, and everybody asked him what's going on, and finally he says, I don't know. All I know was, I once was blind, but now I see. That was the best thing that he could have said. I once was blind. And once you earn the right, you can share your story. Instead of getting up in the morning, dreading going to work, what if we changed our mindset to something other than, I'm just doing my time. 
What if we said, I'm here to impact someone? What if we earned the right to speak into their lives by building a relationship with them so that we can have influence in the way that they act and the decisions that they make? What if we got outside of ourselves long enough to realize and to start to think about eternity and their souls? To think about those, and you can think about right now, those who you know that need what you have. It's so important. There was a man in the Bible that tells us that he was so influential that he had a reach that not even the disciples had. When it came time to take Jesus down off the cross, in order to fulfill prophecy, he had to be buried in a rich man's tomb. And in John chapter 19, verse 38, it says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. This wasn't Peter or Paul. But God had strategically placed this man, this rich, wealthy businessman, who, if Peter or Paul... Had have asked for the body of Jesus, I doubt that it would have happened. Pilate would have been crucified himself because they were already afraid. But God had placed this wealthy businessman in this situation, someone who had influence in that circumstance. It says he was a believer, but he was quiet. Pilate gave him permission. This is just not something to fill in the scripture. This is not something that was written just so that we would have a few more pages or a few more verses in the Bible. It was strategic. This man had influence in his community. And because of that, he was able to help fulfill the prophecy that had been spoken. Lastly, real evangelism... Relational evangelism is possible. Jesus got into their boat and they had caught nothing. They had caught nothing. But Luke chapter 5 verse 7 tells us this. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Something that we so often overlook is, is that Jesus got into their empty boat. He got into their empty boat. No fish, nothing. But it was a boat, and this boat was something that they thought they knew how to fill. They thought that they understood how to catch fish. But what happened was, Jesus got into their boat and he filled it. If you're here this morning, and you've been searching for something to fill the voids in your life, I want you to know 
that Jesus knows how to fill your boat. Jesus doesn't want to just get in your boat. He wants to fill it. And if you're here this morning, you think, well, well this, this message, I'm not a follower of Christ, so it has nothing to do with me. This series, by doing this series, we want you to know how important that it is to us. If you're new to this church, this is the first time that you've ever been here. We want you to know. I think it's Planet Fitness that has a no judgment zone. Is that? That's what this is. We want you to know that you're important to us. And that we love you. Jesus wants to fill your boat. He wants to fill those empty voids. Today may not be the day. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. You're not a project. And that's the danger of relational evangelism. Because people can sometimes feel like, well, they're just doing that because... not the reason we're doing it because you matter you say pastor that's me I'm like Peter I'm tired I'm tired doesn't make any sense but just like Peter I want you to know that you can listen to the voice of God He's speaking to your heart. Give him a chance. Now, many of you here today, I know your stories. I know that you were once empty, but Jesus filled you. You know what your responsibility is? Tell that story. Tell that story. There are some of you who have been through tough times and you've walked through it and you've come to the other side it's your responsibility to tell that story just like the blind man I once was blind but now I see he didn't go through all the well it was this man and it was this and no he told his story One thing I know that I used to be like this and now I've changed. Tell your story. We have the capability now that you're going to start to hear. If you've got a story, you're going to start to hear some of these stories because it's so important to know. Knowledge doesn't win people. this to them it's great being able to quote your life to them will make all the difference in the world when people realize what God has done in your life 
Jesus demonstrated his power to Peter so he could share it with others. How often do you think when Peter had went through everything that he would went through, I guarantee you that the days that Peter was hurting and struggling and was scared for his life, he went back to this moment in Luke chapter 5. He went back to that moment when he said, my boat was empty. But Jesus filled it. He told his story. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. I've said it many times, but there's nothing that we go through. God doesn't waste anything that we go through. It's intentional. It's for a reason. Ask me sometime. I can tell you things that we have went through. And we think, why did we go through that? And then we realize we can help somebody else. This one thing I do know. The choice is yours. What are you going to do? God is asking us to move from becoming just a believer to becoming a disciple. Just as he did that day on that shore. They forgot about everything else and they made a decision to start to fish for men. And sometimes we get so caught up in life that we forget what's important. I came into this building yesterday and and this past week this past week I'm walking around thinking this needs to be done this needs to be done that's got to be done we got to do this we got to do that wanted everything just to be perfect you know what if that trim over there wouldn't have got put up this morning if it had been white around the bottom God would have still been here that's what's important I sat down there this morning, and if you notice, there's two projectors up here. And those poor guys worked. Friday night, it was after midnight when the video people left, because you have to take those two, and you have to line them up perfectly. And they left, and it was perfect. Because they're two shine over top of each other to give you double brightness. Sitting down there this morning, I looked at it. I didn't know if I was tired and seeing double. How many people realized it was a little blurry? Just Dayton and the Vitatos. You would have never known. But I was sitting down there thinking, man, they work so hard and I paid so much money and it's double. I wanted to climb up there and fix it. It'll be fixed next week. I'll be making a service call before I get to the back door. But I begin to think, you know what's not important? I just proved it. Nobody noticed it. Robbie and Mike and Dayton and everybody was working so hard last night, they wanted everything to be right. We ended up with a curtain on the men's bathroom. 3.30 in the morning, I was at Walmart 
shopping for curtains. I bet the lady that checked me out, I had curtains and a plunger and 3.30 in the morning. She probably thought, this guy is crazy. Actually, I thought that myself. Somebody messes with you. Do they need steamed? Probably. But it's so easy to go through life to forget what's important. God has given us a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Not only individually, but as a church. Let's not forget about what's important. So many times in traditional churches, we become so concerned about a building that we forget about what's important. You know what? If the kids turn over the video games downstairs, I'm going to say, praise God. At least they're here. Because that's what's important. When we went to buy this property, the bank president asked me, we were getting the loan. He said, how far do you want to go? He said, you could spend a million dollars here and not be done. I started making phone calls. I need cheap labor. But my words to him were this, and they remained the same. I said, I only go as far as we can go that it does not affect our ability to do ministry because that's what's important God has brought us to this place for a reason and for a purpose and he's asking us will you get into other people's boats with every head bowed and every eye closed you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been going through some stuff. I've been trying to, to fill my boat for so long and I still feel so empty. But I want to give Jesus a chance. That's you. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. Thank you. My boat is empty. Thank you. I can't feel it. I'm tired. It feels like it's went on forever. Anyone else? Thank you. You matter to us. You matter to God. put you in this place for a reason and for a purpose it's because probably in your life there's been many times that you thought there's nobody who cares and it's so easy as a pastor to say oh God cares but we want you to know that not only does God care but we care anyone else
raised your hand, we're going to pray right now before we do anything else. And the Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that He'll forgive us and that He'll fill our boat. He'll change our lives. Don't doubt Him. So right now, we're going to pray as a church. If you raised your hand, it's that. You say, it's that simple. It's that simple. You just ask for forgiveness. You tell him that you want to become a believer. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm so thankful, honored, privileged to be able to stand in front of this group of people. God, I'm like Peter. I'm not worthy. But God, you see those who raised their hand this morning. God, pray that you will forgive us of our sin. God, that you will forgive us for our shortcomings. God, we know from your word that we all sin and we all fall short. But God, that your grace is sufficient. And that you sent your son to die on the cross so that we could have life. Nothing that we've earned, nothing that we deserve. But God, you give it anyway. God, forgive us of our sin. Come into our lives. Change us. God, fill our this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to see people's lives changed. I want to be found worrying about the things that are important more than I worry about anything else. God wants to use you. God wants to use your story. If you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to see people's lives change more than I want anything else in life. Slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Do you know, if we could truly do that, we would change this community. It's great getting into our own building and having our own space, and and that is awesome. But what I was most excited about and when people ask me about it, it's because I knew that we were coming to a community that needed to know about the love of God. And if we would simply put that first in our lives as individuals and as a church, There is no limit, no limit to what God can do. But he wants to use us. 
Why us? Why me? I don't know. I'm like Peter. God, why would you want to use me? I can't explain it. But he does. And he wants to use you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand and we're going to pray one more time. everybody had to sit so close this morning we're going to close out this way take the hand of the person sitting beside you and it's level you can even stretch across the aisles without risk of breaking your neck if you've never with us at our other location steps are about like that but we're going to join hands as a community of believers. And we're going to pray. And then they don't know it, but they're going to finish us out with something. We're going to sing something. Father, you see every person that is here today. And God, as we join hands across this building. God, I thank you for those who gave their heart and their life to you this morning. God, you tell us that the angels rejoice. God, we rejoice. God, we rejoice because we now know that there are people who will have a story just like we do. A story that they can share. God, as we make this commitment on this first Sunday in the Pollard community, Blackburn Avenue. We make this commitment individually in our hearts and as we join hands collectively as a church. God, we make a commitment to getting into people's boats. Stepping into their world. Hurting when they hurt. Sharing our story. God, may every person under the sound of my voice who has become a believer, may they take the next step just as you asked Peter and those to do on the shore that day. To become a disciple. To become fishers of men. Jesus, when you looked at them and said, let's go fish. God, allow us to know that fishing for men is so much better and so much more rewarding than anything that we can do out on a lake. God, we want to make a difference. God, we make a commitment that no matter what, 
no matter what, we're going to share our story just like the blind man that you healed. God, allow us to realize I don't know what happened, but the one thing that I know is that he changed my life. God, I thank you this morning. God, I'm so excited about what you're going to do in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our co-workers, and in the lives of the people in this community. God, use us. In Jesus' name. Let's sing.